Welcome to Jengana Podcast. Today is episode 006 and we, uh, it's a continuation of episode 5. We are discussing about managing cost in construction. Welcome to our continuous series of how we build in Kenya. Thank you. Today I'm joined with a quantity surveyor who's been part of our team and this is our first recording with the Jengana crew. Her name is Carol Kenoti. She is a quantity surveyor as of said and she'll be helping us today's topic about managing cost in construction. How are you doing Carol? I'm quite fine. Oh, how why is it taking you so long to come to Jengana? Oh, well, because life. <laughs> life is life has been happening. So, we start with our newspaper segment. Did you see this report from census? It say that 61.3% of Kenyans own houses they live in with only 38.7% renting. Yeah, I saw that and it's kind of hard to to understand how they what they based it on. Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks is like it's like you can way. justify it. You say when if Kenyans own on the houses they live in. I feel like it should have been the other way around. It should have been the higher percentage renting, not the bigger percentage owning houses. And and also if we had these numbers, do you think we'd have done the affordable housing program? Uh, with these numbers, we don't need any more projects to make it easier for people to own houses because if half of the population have their own houses then why should we push for affordable ones indeed or well, even adding further to it they say that 93.9% of home owners constructed their own houses not but constructed their own houses 93 of those 60 61 then they go further they say 3.3% inherited those who bought are the least 2.8% So Kenyans we have people are really building their own houses yeah, according yeah, to yeah. this report. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know, it's a, it's a weird report given that um the, the with the rise in market right now yeah. most of the people especially in the urban areas nobody is building a house for themselves with the new tattoo cities and everything with so many estates coming up most of the people are just buying houses. So it gives the question then If the higher percentage percentage is building then why is everybody why are developers building so many homes for sale yeah, and and if the list of the people are buying purchasing the homes so i don't know that's uh, part of a report from the census yeah. that we can highlight then there is also the another census report that said that the majority of people who own mobile phones are are women <laughs> as compared to men <laughs> well guys are always buying chicks phones so what do you <laughs> say <laughs> okay i didn't see it that way <laughs> i don't know i don't know I, it's i i think everybody owns a phone okay maybe because the bigger percentage of the population are women so the bigger sense? the population the more the number of women so if if we have 10 chicks and 5 guys and then like every two in one people have a phone So the higher the higher population will have more funds than the other one. Okay. Census does a research about funds. I think there was a question about funds in the census report. Ah, I missed that one. Also me I don't remember the question. How Maybe they asked you for 
mobile number. No. Then maybe they use the mobile number too. <laughs> It's like you was your census person a chick to be asked for your mobile number. <laughs> okay. As these are the people who missed the census. <laughs> yeah, evidently. Mm. So there's another report from Tulo Oil. The story about oil in Turkana. Mhm. What happened? And the same Tulo now from last year we also talked about Tulo and said that Tulo was on a dip. It was the, there's a lot of financial issues they are going through not only in Kenya but around the world. So last week there was this report that say that from the beginning of it all Tulo had said you had 750 million barrels. Mhm. But in reality, it was 560 million barrels. Then it goes on to say that it's like Tulo, Tulo's operation, they decided to cut down on staff and only leave the staff on the critical path. Um, I'm not quite updated on this project, so I'm just wondering, who's been handling the project? The project, this is a UK company. Oh okay. And the one who's been handling the project is uh, it's Kenya and the Ministry of Energy. Oh. So they have an office here. And the staff were Kenyan. The international staff. Very few guys are Kenyans. But the CEO, the, the MD is is Kenyan. So in the in the time that the project has been going on, what have they really achieved so far? So far they're the ones who discovered the Ngamia Ngamia one. They're the ones who discovered uh, those blocks. Those oh. those the ones who were first on site to say this there is oil in Kenya. Yeah, because I just remember that it was quite exciting to hear there is oil in Kenya and then from that the story is sort of Do 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 you feel like we have something that we do not know how to use? Do you feel like we have you've been given oil but mm-hmm. we don't know how to get to it. We don't know how to do anything about it. Well, what can be as me was thinking a solution maybe they just said we we, we do the basic of it. We fetch mm-hmm. and transport. Just tell Kenyans come and fetch. <laughs> fetch how? <laughs> With a packet. Then people will be innovative and do stuff. But you have to mine for it or you have to drill. I mean. So already we know it's there. We know it's there, but but for given it? given how they are st- they're giving us different information all along the way, yeah. we also not quite sure if it's there or we are sure about that. It is there because now even the, there's a Chinese company that wants to take over. Mm-hmm. from Tulo. Uh, there's there's a lot of misinformation about that project. Uh, you have to be very very keen to Yeah, go. stories keep on changing. You wonder who is lying to who. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. There's 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 a party which is playing a weird game. <laughs> yeah, like one minute they saying we have this, the next minute they saying no, we don't have it. Have and the next minute. Uh, that's how oil, I think that's how it is about. But I don't know we have something that we cannot use. Mhm. Yeah, true. And it, it 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 just makes it you remember like if you think of the first people the standard guys in America who got who struck oil the first time mm-hmm. without any knowledge or yeah. masters anything yeah, just yeah. struck oil and they made it into something profitable. Why can't we just strike it and make it into But I also feel maybe we should have sourced um expertise from another African country like Nigeria. Those guys have been dealing with oil for so long and given that they are quite rich from it and they are African, maybe the the other guys don't understand our oil the way Nigerians would. Yeah. yeah, maybe 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 it's we shouldn't always seek um 
professionalism from so far. Maybe mm. it should have been handled a little bit better if we had given somebody who is quite conversant with the economy and everything. I'm thinking like East Africa, there is potential for oil mm-hmm. in Kenya, in Uganda, in South Sudan, not even Sudan. Yeah, but West African countries have always been doing so well yeah. with oil. So it's not like it's a new concept in Africa. You know, that's that's what it's that's something what that has been there. It's been there for so long. That's what that's what makes me wonder why do we go all the way yet we have African countries already doing it, and it should be very if okay. I feel it should be quite easy to source resources from other African countries. It will be very easy. Yeah. Yeah, that's and the contracts with African countries, with other African countries, are quite easier than. Yeah, and now that now South Sudan is showing signs of being stable. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the good news. The president Salvakir and the vice president, his nemesis, mm-hmm. uh, Majar, they finally formed a uh, unity government yeah. on twenty first. Yeah. So South Sudan also has the potential of doing something with their oil because they have the oil but yeah. doing nothing with it the same with I think you have this resource that we are not we are we are skeptical about going into oil I don't know why. because but, um, but maybe it will change it's a new concept in you, you know Africa is very rich in resources let me not just talk about Kenya and most of the resources it's not us who use them or rather mine for them, refine them. It's always, there's always another party coming in. Like if you look at the countries with diamond, it's never the countries. The countries just provide unskilled labor. So that troubles me because where do you have these awesome resources and we have to source for other people to come and show us how to use them. And I'm sure there's as a student in JQuart doing something like is it co- mining? There's, there's yeah. a course in mining, right? There's a mi- mining course. And I think oil too. Yeah, so you wonder, where, what will they do with their degree if all they keep is call- on calling other people whenever we have an issue? I think uh, what what is there is just we have to deal with the fact that, that some things just happen. <laughs> but if we talk about them, yeah, maybe yeah. They, they might change. Yeah, maybe maybe it's because you you're not skilled in the field. Yeah. We've never had oil before. So yeah. it's a new concept. Yeah. Maybe it should be a little easier on ourselves too. <laughs> <laughs> so to conclude on the news segment, I think there is a there's a tweet that was there on social media that that left mo- mo- many people laughing is when the ambassador the US ambassador to Kenya was stuck in a leaf. These these are the lived horror stories of Kenya. They happen. <laughs> What building was that? It was in Upper Afia, Afia House. Oh. You <laughs> think it was a black It's one hut. of the old ones. <laughs> <laughs> old ones without a backup. Just get stuck. Uh, lifts in Kenya is another story. It's, uh, it's, I have they even lift switch talk in Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Have been stuck on the public works one. Public works, yeah. The, that uh, lift. That thing is old. <laughs> yeah. So that's all we have for the news segment today we go direct to the day's topic we are talking about managing cost in construction which is a skillful practice and one that involves very expertise project management skills that we will discuss and today we are lucky enough to have a quantity surveyor with us so that when we are trying to manage risk uh, we need a quantity surveyor a quantity surveyor basically deals with costing in the project yeah i'm right yeah true true and you have Carol with us today. So we start by asking ourselves, cost in the following areas determine the type 
of capital that one is to incur in a project. That is controlling these sections as important in the overall cost of the project. These areas are the professional manpower that comes into the design, skill labor, and material requirements. What do you have to say about cost when you're starting our project? Uh, most people, when, they're, when, they're, when they come to you with a project, they don't think about the money that will go into the design work. They don't have it in their mind that they have to pay an architect to do the design for them. They also don't remember that after, after they're done with the architect, they have to source for a quantity surveyor who will uh, tell them how much their project is going to cost. So most people come to you telling you, um, I have 4M, can I build a four-bedroom? You know, it, it, it leaves you knowing that uh, most of the bigger, the bigger population does not understand the actual costs that, yeah, that go into a construction building. And it's like they want to put the four million into the house Yes, only. yes, yes. And then when you tell them, um, but you're going to need so much amount for design work, they're like, ah, oh, man, I hadn't budgeted for that. How about I give that guy 10K? Yeah another absurd amount, will like, will they get a design for 10K, you know? Because that to them, that's not a factor for construction. To them, the only thing they're thinking about is the nyumba itself. For 4 million, Yeah, for finishes, 4, four, four uh, million. And they tell you if it goes above that, they can't do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... Uh, You've said professional professional fees are quite important in the initial stage, is very important, yeah, yeah. And in most cases, you're going to find that professional fees is going to be like 15% of the whole of the whole construction amount. That's quite a figure not to budget for. So it's always like around 15%, yeah, 15% because you're going to need the structural engineer. It's there's a lot, it's a lot of it's a whole organogram. You're going to need the project manager, the quantity surveyor, the architect, the engineers, you know. And you what you can't one can't do without the other. You're not going to call a structural engineer for a project that has no architectural drawings, you're not going to call a QS for a project that has no designs at all. So, like for four million, I'm saying it's around 600,000. Yeah, quite a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But when somebody hasn't budgeted for it. No, yeah, now yeah. Now you tell him to raise the project to for $5 million. Yeah, now they start telling you, can the engineer take 10K? Can the QS take 15K? Yeah. Yeah, they, it gets frustrating. What about skill labor? Um, Very few projects. These are, let's say, big projects that require skill labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like fixing a lift, mm-hmm. such projects like dam projects, let's say the SGR, there's that aspect of skilled labor, the one they're doing the tunneling. Yeah. I think it's very significant to consider when mm-hmm. you're given like a project. Let's say they're doing these massive projects. Let's say they're doing the expressway. Let's say even the SGR. I think when you're costing, then you come to a point where you see there's a tunnel that's skilled labor. Or let's say even a house and you're doing some serious uh, air conditioning. No, still, I, I would like to dis. I beg to differ with you. Yeah. I feel like that's the line of thinking that yeah. leaves people now building substandard houses. Because yeah. the minute you feel like, ah, it's just a house, it doesn't need it. You know, a foreman is a skilled laborer. You know that, right? Yeah. So skilled labor is needed in every stage. You don't, You can't just assume it because this is... Um, in the most easiest of constructions, say it's a residential house for a family, yeah. uh, the minute the person decides that since this is just like a dogo house, let me do it, let me be the contractor and just get guys to do the walling for me and everything. And I know, I know people who 
who can picture whatever they want as a house. Yeah. They want a room with this, this. Then they become the the project managers. So they just yeah. get fundies. Yeah, and it's it's a mistake. Yeah. No matter the extent of the project, I feel like you still need skilled labor. You in your site at your site, you need a foreman or two for every step because you can't get the foundation guy doing the ceiling for you, right? Yeah. So you, we should lean to it until we have it here, big project, so you can have skilled laborers. And you've talked about something very important: a project manager. Mm-hmm. That is uh, a person that if. A person involved in the project yeah. uh, will help you with a lot of things. True, true, true. Including planning, execution, evaluating, and all those things that comes with the project manager. Yeah. And the project manager works for, for the client. For the client, yeah. Yeah. So if the client can sell the vision to the project manager very well, mm-hmm. it can even be the client's quantity surveyor. Yeah. Can be the client's architect or the engineer. Then the client will have gone a very fast step managing all these factors we've been putting here, like design and all those things yeah. and costing. Yeah, yeah a, a project manager is basically an ad, an extra cost that saves you a lot of cost eventually because. You have to pay this person, but given the amount of work that they put in in ensuring that your project is done in time, according to the scope you you had given, they'll end up saving you more money in the end than if you stop focusing on the money you're paying them for the work they're doing, they end up saving you quite a lot. So we can get them at the initial stage. The yeah, initial yeah. stage the is when you as a client, you're thinking of starting your project. Yeah, yeah. What about at the construction stage? Um, okay, most people involve the project manager at construction when things start falling apart. Yes, So yes. to avoid that, I feel like it's, it's quite, it's better to involve <coughs> all these professionals when you're starting off. Even during design... Um, there's a point where most people involved say the quantity survey after they've dealt with the architecture design for them, right? Yes. Which is a mistake. Uh, because you need to have your... If you have, let's say, a set budget, you involve the QS before... You, like, it's 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 sort of a panel. You have your project manager, you have your quantity survey, and you have your architect. You tell them, this is what I need done. So that if the architect designs something that um, goes above your budget, the QS can tell you, um, how about we do panel doors instead of this? You know, so you still... You work... You manage the budget from the inception stage. So, Carol, you're saying, like, at the construction stage, mm-hmm. you still need a quantity surveyor? Yes, we do. Okay. There is also where I think you need a quantity surveyor more to control the cost. And I no. feel like you need a quantity surveyor more at the construction stage than at the initial stage of the project. No, no, no. Um, <coughs> in my opinion, the most, the most important stage of construction is the design stage where you're just basically putting your ideas down. And uh, if there's any error, if there's any error in design work, it shows up later, right? Yes. So you need all the professionals that are going to be involved in the construction all the way from inception. You don't start a project and then call in the quantity surveyor to manage costs that are already falling apart before the project even began. Yes. So you need, you need all professionals from inception. Okay. Yeah, yeah. At the construction stage, there's also some costs that have to be managed. Yeah, true. Yes, and that we look at and find how we can do a lot of cost saving. Yeah. Once we continue further with the topic of discussion. Okay.
So also in the cost world, there is this jargon that says the larger the project cost, the smaller the percentage of profit. I know we've discussed it earlier before we started the show and you're wondering how this math added up. <laughs> yes. Because there is a link, you can find it below here on our page. And the writer says that if you're in a large construction project costing mm-hmm. above 500 million, you should expect a profit of 10 to 20%. And if you're in a smaller construction project that is between, let's say, less than 20 million, you should expect a bigger margin of 20 to 35%. What was the other margin for the bigger projects? <coughs> There's another one for 20 million to 500 million. Percentage, profit. Oh, for, for the big one. Yeah. For the big one is 10 to 20. 10 to 20%. Yes. And the other one is 22? The other one is 20 million less. Less 20 million mm-hmm. is 20 to 35. Almost 50%. Well, I really don't know what he based Let's say you're doing that a house thinking for, on. for somebody for 4 million. Uh-huh. For a bedroom or whatever. So in a 4 million project, you get more money than, you're, than if you're doing a, a tender for, for a, a road tender for oh, 60 million. Are we looking at it from the point of the contractor or the client? This is, a, I think, the point. Whoever wants to make profit, I think, is a contractor. You know, oh, okay. Now, now, now I think I get it. Because looking at the client side, the bigger the project, the bigger the profit. The you can't tell me... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't tell yeah, me yeah. T2 Rivers is making the same prof- less profit than TRM. That's why I had an issue with that uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you get my issue now. It's or maybe, yeah, for the contractor, it makes sense. Because they have to hire more skilled staff. And then there are so many regulations to adhere to. The minute your project is kind of bigger, you have to have higher technologies in, term, in terms of the infrastructure and the equipment you use. It makes sense now. It does. So the bigger the project, let's say... If you're doing SGR and if you're doing Akabarabara from Moy Avenue to yeah. the other avenue, the, the smaller project will get you more money. Yes, that is something you... Before you go ahead and look at the tender, let's say, for contractors out uh-huh. there, before you look at this is a big tender for this much. Yeah. I think also quantity surveys can help you just predict, the yeah. forecast the <coughs> amount of profit you will get out of the contractor, uh, how much you're going to put into the. Yeah. That's why it's also good to do a very accurate BQ. True, true. And I think the bigger projects are kind of exciting to the contractor. If you're offered a 600 million project still and a 10 million original, do you pick? 600 million. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you don't think so much about it. You've just seen 600 and thinking, hey, 10% of this might be mine. Yeah. yeah. So that makes it very clear. Ah, that's an interesting opinion. I never thought about that. Yeah. I thought 600 million, good money. <laughs> Another interesting question is what happens when there's an oversupply of projects? What happens to the cost of construction? Let's say we are doing a lot of projects. Let's say the government starts doing affordable housing. Mm-hmm. You do it in those regions. Let's say in Gara, those Kitengela areas, wherever they say they're doing. The same time you're doing expressway. The same time you're doing a light a light railway train. You know, a light rail, a light rail. Mm-hmm. 
and a few offices. All that oversupply of projects, let's say all of them are in Nairobi. What happens to the scene? What happens to the costing of projects in Nairobi? Well, for one, I know the labor the labor goes up. The the cost of labor goes up. Because now you have this Mjengo guy who is just dealing with one project and then he has like four four men approaching him. Yeah. If say he was charging five hundred a day for his services, no, if you're in demand, you start charging higher. Yeah. And then you go with the highest bidder, right? So yeah. the cost of labor goes up. But then I feel like it shouldn't scare cost, us from and investing the cost of more. Materials um, goes up also. Because yeah, 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 the companies yeah. that are doing supplying cement. It's let's only Bamburi and Simba, for Bamburi, example. Simba. Let's say even the ones which are supplying ready, ready mix concrete. Uh-huh. There are very few. So yeah. if there's so much, they have stretched in demand. Yeah. Their cost goes up. Which makes sense because they have to input a lot of resources to get more cement, for example, concrete. So do you think we should control the number of projects that are coming out? Well. Or do you feel like there's something it's something that happens in government well that they control how much project comes out of uh, to just make sure that you are not over costing anything i feel like it's a point where we've never reached I don't think we've ever had an oversupply of project. I mean, <laughs> the government is always either doing SGR or... I don't think we are there yet. We are looking at future problems, I think. But they are soon to come. Because, yeah. you see, we are becoming a very ambitious nation. Now yeah, we have, and... We are having devolution. We are going to change the constitution into this more harmonized constitution and let's say the 20 major counties, you have 47 counties, yeah. let's say the 10 major counties have projects that run a multi-billion projects, 10 of them. What happens to the to, to our industry? It changes. I, I, yeah, it, it does. But I don't know if I'm a sadist, but I'd like to see us get there. I'd like to see what I'd actually like, insta- instead of prospecting, I'd like to see what it does to our economy. Maybe maybe we are afraid of nothing. Maybe it gets better. Or maybe if I turn it around and say, under supply of projects, no, under what s- happens? No, under supply of projects. Let's say only have SGR. All these other projects become... Yeah. And a supply of projects makes us allocate so many resources to one project because it's the only thing we're focusing on. Yeah. So there's also the the factor that we'll waste a lot of money because if if you have no project going on and then I tell you this project is 400 billion, you don't think much about it because it's the only project that... Like, say if you have a budget of 1 billion for projects that year and you only get one. Yeah. So you don't feel like you need to check how much you're stretching the budget. Yes. You just... It makes us relaxed. That's and why I'm telling you I want us to get to that point where we have so many projects. <laughs> and also maybe the return. Uh, when you have an undersupply of projects, mm-hmm. the return, whatever we are getting out of it, let's say the money is... Yeah, it's quite the, minimal. The transfer of knowledge, it becomes very low. It's overshadowed because yeah. it's only one SDR. Yeah, it's like it's one Konza. And then we have how many architects graduating all wanting to go to Konza. We have all engineers wanting. Now, imagine if you, yeah. had, if, no, imagine no. If you had like five Konza cities going on right now besides Konza and Tatu City. Tatu City is almost at the same part, right? Yeah, yeah the same part. We'd have so many avenues for learning, but we only have two. Those two can only handle like say hundred professionals. What yeah. happens to the rest of the students who want to go and uh, experience such a project? That's very true. And also, what happens to bringing it back to cost? Yeah. Under supply. Yeah. 
maybe people will get a bigger margin of profit and exaggerate the budgets because it's only one project yes. you know. But maybe let's say if you had two SGRs, we'll balance. Yeah, and technologies too. Now if you have one project, if say we had um, two railway stations going on at the same time, we didn't have used the same technology used in SGR because yeah, yeah. we want to explore something new. Yeah. But now since we only have one at a time, we only like have one new technology at a time where you could have had like five new ways of doing something. Okay. Yeah. So, so far we've seen how cost cost is... Cost is everything about construction. When you're planning, when you're dishing out these projects, when you're in the construction stage, when you're thinking about profits, construction is just about the cost. The cost changes a lot of things. Yeah. Yes. So we have to think of how we can save cost. And as a QS, I'm sure you have some tips for us on <laughs> cost yes. saving, which can be accomplished through professionals through technology yeah. and through also common sense and just yeah experience mm-hmm. yeah um i have several tips on saving cost in your project yes and <laughs> this is not a plug i swear yes. but you have to <laughs> <laughs> you have to involve the qs all day from inception stage um, dead. QS yes <laughs> yes you have you don't have to you don't and do, you, do you feel there's an over undersupply of qss in the industry no, no, no. We have enough. It's just that the, the 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 public does not understand the role we play. Yeah. We have enough. And is it an old profession in Kenya? It is, but I don't know why it's never taken ground like engineering and the rest. Mainly, I feel, I feel the planners are even older than QSs and. Oh yeah, planners are planners also not have doing been well. There. <laughs> planners have been then. But they 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 sound new like planners, yeah it sounds like a new QS, course they sound like new yeah roles. this QS has been there it used to be called building economics okay yeah yeah okay. so um when you involve the QS from the inception they get to guide you and advise on more economic options of doing your project yeah yeah um the engineer has the whole image of the project in the head right. But where they say um, an aluminum partition which doesn't serve its purpose very much, and I feel like maybe if you did uh, a gypsum one, it would cut on the cost. You know, such things. Or if you're doing a masonry wall, and I feel that an APS one could cut down your cost. Involving a QS from the inception helps manage the cost all through. And also, wrong estimations also like if you estimate wrong, you're bound to have a budget overrun, right? Yeah. And that's that's the role of the QS to estimate from the beginning. Yes. So and also this about estimation. Now our last episode we talked about estimation and we were very skeptical about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think if I can remember the links, but <laughs> there are these estimations that uh, we've gotten from from IQSK yeah. and book. How accurate are those systems? Oh, the per square meter. Yes, yes, yes. And how do you derive? How do you come to that? <laughs> just in a in a nutshell. Well, you know, IQSK is like a panel of quantity surveyors, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you're doubting all of them. It's like a panel of the best. <laughs> <laughs> and no, Steve is like, I know. Ah, these guys don't know. Anyway, no, no, they, they don't know. Uh, are skeptical. Okay, you know, like, for example. You know, an estimate example, is an estimate, right? I have a link here. For uh-huh. example, a standard dwelling house. Yeah. 48,000 per square meter. Yes. 
Okay, that's accurate. Estimates can never be accurate. It's like so you're why saying. Why do you estimate? No, no, no. Why? So that was my question. Still, why do we have estimates? If you define an estimate, okay. and then if you define okay, accurate, you get my point. You yes. get estimates are just to guide you. Okay, like if you build a house blindly, you never know how far it can go, right? Yeah. But if I tell you this house is going to cost you six million give or take one million, you're, you quite, you'll be quite prepared for the project. And also, if you do not estimate, you never know how viable that project is. You never know if you're investing 20 million in a project that will only give you one million back after 50 years, you know. So this thing that you've even mentioned it even before we came to this topic, yeah. about the four million. So it's something that Chris is just throwing the in the meeting. No. A three bedroom house will cost no, 4.4 no, 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 million. No, 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 no. A three bedroom house will cost <laughs> 4.4 million. Well, it's from experience. The, co the cost yes. estimate comes from experience and also flow area considerations. The flow area estimate, they came up with it after handling so many. After handling so many four bedrooms, you get to see a trend. You get to see, despite where it is, it lands between four million, five million, six million. So you get the average and divide by the flow area. That gives you a good estimate so that if a customer, you know, some clients don't have time. They for me as an engineer, I believe you. You hear architects. They know you're making me explain myself so much. They don't believe that. They don't believe your estimates. No, estimates. You limit them. Oh, but then, that's why you... you I will keep on repeating yeah. this point. That's why you need the QS and the architect to work together from inception. Indeed. Because now conflict comes on when you've given me a plan yeah. that sounds absurd to me. Like, I'm not degrading what the other professionals do. Yeah. I'm just showing you how working as a team reduces so, so much conflict. Yeah. If you give me a plan and then I cost for it, the client wants a what? A six million house. The plan you've given me lands me to 10 million. You know, to to get to the client's budget, you have to cut off on some things. Yeah. So that's where the conflict comes in. Yes. You get my point? I get your point. So this can all be solved if you just work together. And your point is that from experience is yeah. where you get our estimates. No, it's from so many other factors. So experience, other factors. yeah. But mainly experience. If you say experience, I only have two years of experience. Does that <laughs> not mean I don't saying, know what I'm doing? The one from the handbook. No, from the handbook is our whole panel of professionals who came up with this. Yeah, I don't know what factors they considered, yeah. but I'm sure it was quite smart. <laughs> you need to know the panel. Okay. There, there was that guy who came for one of the talks. Oh, what was his I name? He was an IQSK. He we'll, we'll gave the Quantisavia's talk. I remember. And there was all the Amazon guy. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, there's so much that goes into estimating costs. You also consider the region because a house in Kisumu will not oh, cost yeah, the yeah. same it's, it's as the house down. in Nairobi. I think this one we'll just further discuss. <laughs> yes. You're just feeding me here with, with the quantity <laughs> surveying. You're continuing costs. Well, that's me. why you invited me. Number three. Um. <laughs> so far, you, you've mentioned two. Oh, oh yeah, yes. Okay. Cost saving is basically spending every coin you input into that project well, right? Yes. So I um from my experience, seventy percent of the costs you should okay, from my experience the client should invest more in the design stage. Most people think they should invest more in the construction, construction itself. Stage, yeah. But then if you have an A an A level design, 
it prevents you from so much. It, it prevents you from variation orders. It protects you from unseen risks, you know. So uh, I think 70% of the cost that goes into construction is in the design. And then you reduce the cost as you go by. Because if your design was A-level, you don't need to do it to Bomoa Owl for what and what. You know, those variations are what cause budget overruns. So invest really well in design. The inceptions, the design stage is not just a plan. You know that, right? Yeah. So invest really well in the design. That will protect you. That will save you so much cost as you go on. Okay. Yeah. And, and also, um, to save on your project, carry out a feasibility study of the project you're going to do. What's a feasibility study? A feasibility study is where you, uh, you do... Like if you want you compare. to you no compare like houses no, no 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 like if you want to okay this comes in mainly for the business projects not the residential personal projects oh. like if you want to jenga a mall in town yeah. a feasibility study just is just a study before you start your project you see you check the buildability of the project are you are you actually able to do such a project yes. Uh, you check the chances of success of that project. So you don't start a project and then after you invested 400 million into it, it stalls because the chances of success were minimal from the start. And also, just for feasibility studies, mm-hmm. I think you involve professionals because they have all the data. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So you're doing commercial properties, all these things. Yeah. You want to know the industry. Yeah. Involve your architect, involve your QS. Mm, true. Uh, and feasibility studies also tells you about the potential risks before you involve in that project. Yeah. So before you start the project, you know all that goes into it. And you know if it's... Instead of... Um, most of the cost comes up when you're doing a project and then you're like, there's a surprise cost. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I needed an interior design. I didn't know I needed that. You know, that's an yeah. extra cost. in the And you already have your budget now. So you're bound to spend more. Yes. To avoid all this, just plan well. Yes, you've had plan well. That's uh, <laughs> conclusively, yes. Akiris can tell you plan well. Plan well and get a project manager. Get a project manager. <laughs> so cost can be managed in construction. Yeah. Even as we've seen earlier that the cost of construction has been rising. Yeah. Therefore, for your project to cost less and have more benefit, follow as the QS has told us about cost-saving measures and base on your decision to your project. And solely a quantity surveyor will step in very well for you yeah. in terms of cost. So in the end of it, decisions should be made based on data, yeah. knowledge, and people. Yeah. People meaning the professionals. Yeah. Cost management is quite a balancing act. Because yeah. <laughs> you have you have what you have a scope to maintain. You have um, a quality to maintain. So if it's a door, it has to be a door. You can't do a curtain for that door. Yeah. At the same time, you have to give the best cost for that project. So you, 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 you don't want to lean on one side. You have to, to have a very cheap house that is not up to standard or a very up to standard house that was quite expensive, you know. Yes. You have to get that balance along the way and it's quite work. It's quite something. Thank you very much for ending it on that note. <laughs> yes. You've said it as it should be said. Uh-huh. I hope we continue with this series of how we build and we, as we continue the series we'll talk more about costs. Meet us on our next episode. Maybe we'll be talking about materials. Who knows? We thank you for listening. 
Again, I'm Steve. You can get me on my handle on Twitter at Steve Muguya. And she is? I am Carol Kinoti. Okay, Carol is a QS. And if you have any questions for Quantity Savea, please let us know through our email. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time.